probably the smartest Christian in the world now that Dallas Willard has passed away. Really smart guy. And I've got a, a really funny story. I was teaching at a church in England, Holy Trinity Brompton, and they have a little green room in the back where people are about to speak at this big conference are all meeting. And I'm sitting next to this on remarkable looking guy. He's kind of bald and a little paunchy and he's got a beard. And I say, uh, hi, my name's Dave Householder. He says, I'm Tom. I said, well, that's nice. Whoever you are, Tom. And it turns out it's N.T. Wright. And he is uh, speaking before me and you don't ever want to follow N.T. Wright. It's just not a good thing because the guy is, he's got no ego at all. And I would really encourage you just to look on YouTube for N.T. Wright because all of his Bible teaching is absolutely top drawer. And he just put out this new book called Broken Signposts because he believes that we have lost our way as a culture in a lot of ways. And there are seven signposts that used to point to God. And as our culture becomes more secularized and less spiritual, those are like broken signposts. And we need to recover those signposts. We need to rebuild them. And it's real interesting that this book came out the same time we came up with Rebuild, Restore, and Renew, which I don't think is much of a coincidence. So we're going to be looking at these seven signposts, and we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John. So if you've got Bibles with you, you can turn to the Gospel of John. And we're going to spend seven weeks in the Gospel of John. And what's going to be surprising to you is that the Gospel of John is very, very rich in lots of ways. And there's a lot of stuff in there that we sort of skateboard over and don't pay attention to. And you can read, by the way, the Gospel of John in 90 minutes. It takes about 90 minutes to sit down and read it. And I would encourage you sometime during these seven weeks to sit down and read the Gospel of John because it's meant to be read that way. It's meant to be read in one sitting And you get a lot of nuance from it that you wouldn't get if you just sort of sample through the Gospel of John. So I'd strongly encourage you to do that. I'm going to hand you guys my my thing here. And if you can find my sermon slides, you can put them back up on here. So we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John and broken signposts. And today we're going to be talking about justice. Justice. But first I want to give you sort of the outline of what we'll be looking at. Justice, love, next week, spirituality, beauty, freedom, truth, and power. Those seven things, justice, love, spirituality, beauty, freedom, truth, and power, all of which are themes in the Gospel of John. Oh. I don't want to broadcast my password to the whole universe, so I just thought I would. Uh... <laughs> Those are the seven signposts we're going to look at, and we're entering into a, a time of our society where everybody says, follow the science, follow the science, follow the science, and I'm not anti-science. Science is a good thing in that it gives us facts and measurements, but it never tells us what to do, how we should do things, or what's good, true, and right. And none of these seven themes have anything to do with science. But without these seven things, our life is somewhat meaningless here in this world. And we have a really hard time navigating without these signposts. If we don't hold up these signposts as a culture, if we don't restore them, rebuild them, renew them, 
All we have is facts. And facts, unfortunately, don't give us very much. So there's N.T. Wright, if you want to have a look at him. And if he sat down next to you, you'd think, how unremarkable. And it turns out he's just an incredibly wonderful person, spirit-filled guy, and uh, just a remarkable, remarkable guy. So we're going to look at justice today. And when we look at justice, it explains why we are so drawn to criminal shows. Why are we drawn to criminal shows? Now, my two favorite criminal shows are Bosch, which is uh, Harry Bosch. He's an L.A. cop. It's a very gritty, kind of ugly show in a lot of ways. There's, you see the underside of what's going on. And Prime Suspect with Helen Mirren. And Wendy and I have watched both of those things, and we, we keep hoping for more seasons and everything else. But why are we drawn to them? Why are we drawn to these shows with so much darkness in them? Because both Harry Bosch and Helen Mirren, these two people in these shows, they are relentless at going after justice. And they keep getting told by everyone else, why don't you just lighten up? Why don't you just let it go? Why don't you just, you know, play the game halfway? That kind of stuff says, no, we must bring this person to justice. Because what they did was ugly, horrible, and awful. And they just, like a dog with a bone, they just keep at it, and they keep at it, and they keep at it. And at the end, they always catch the person. And you think, yes, finally, finally they caught the person. Now, when someone passes you on the 405 going 95, and you drive past, and they're pulled over, don't you just say, yes, somebody got the person. Somebody got the person. And there's something about justice. There's something about Things being put right, things being made right. Harry Bosch um, goes after people who commit crimes against street people and stuff sometimes. And people say, oh, it's just a street person. Just let it go. He says, everybody counts or nobody counts. This, is, this has got to be, justice has got to work for everybody, not just for people of privilege and power. And so if uh, some broken down street person, drug dealer, prostitute gets murdered, he goes after the murder no matter what. And says we, we have to treat everybody the same. And there's something about fairness that really sticks with us. And we have it as children. If you've ever been on a playground, kids are obsessed with fairness. Just obsessed with it. And we parents, cop, we have a cop outline for that. Get used to it, kid. Life isn't fair. It really is just a lazy thing to say to kids. Because the kids are saying, this isn't fair. My brother and I would occasionally split a candy bar if there was only one available when we were growing up. And here's the rule. My brother would always say, I'll split them. And I'll say, great, I get to choose which side then. And you, you just, to the millimeter, you would just you know, cut that thing right in half. My brother and I also shared a bed in our pullout camper. And we both had our sleeping bags. And we had a masking tape line down the middle that was measured to the millimeter to make sure that there was fairness. And the truth is, you as a child kept saying, what, that isn't fair. I'm still mad at Ted Taylor from fourth grade. Ted Taylor and I would always, when the bell rang for recess, we had 15 minutes of recess. And we played football every single day that year. It was the football year. You know, there's the marbles year. There's the football year. There's the jump rope year. There's, there's something that's big that year. This was the football year. And Ted Taylor and I were captains of the two teams from our class. We just decided that would be the case. And so 
the bell would ring and we'd run for the football because it was in the closet. We'd grab the football, go outside, and then we'd pick teams from other people's classes. And one day, Ted Taylor said, let's pick two at a time. I said, well, okay, well, that's fine. So he picked two, then I would pick two. Then next week, he said, let's pick three at a time. And after a while, he said, let me pick my whole team first, then you can pick. <laughs> I went right to the teacher. I said, what? That's not fair. Because God gives you, kids are operating with a sense of justice. Do you know that children are actually operating with the gift of of words of knowledge and words of wisdom at that point? And we as parents try to culture that out of them. Thank you, Tamara. That was a good catch. That was that was impressive. Very impressive. You should be like a yeah, shortstop or something. That was that was good. So everybody counts or nobody counts. A sense of justice. We've got a sense of justice, and we ought to cultivate that in our kids rather than try to cultivate it out of them. And to to look at things. Folks, who thinks it's fair right now that all of the gigantic stores have been open every single day since the pandemic? Walmart's been open, you know, Costco's been open, Sam's Club has been open, and all the little mom and pop places get closed. Is that fair? No. There, and the election, however you feel about that, wherever your politics are, who thinks it's really important that the votes get counted right? No matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you, you want all the right people voting at the right time and the right count. And if there's just a few votes that are off, we think that's not right. We want to make sure that things are fair, that things are just, and sometimes they aren't. This instinct runs deep. That's not right. Something needs to be done to make it right. And the Gospel of John is all about restitution, making things right. Now, I want to give you real close, real quickly, two kinds of justice. Restorative justice and retribution justice. Retribution is just punishment. They'll get theirs. Restoration is fixing the situation so that it becomes just in the future. When Jesus met the woman caught in adultery, she was committing adultery. She was caught in adultery. And Jesus had a chance to either side with the guys that were going to stone her, because that's the rule, that's ret retribution. You know, she needs to get hers for doing this. Or restorative, go and sin no more. Restore the situation. And God is all about restorative justice. God gets no jollies out of punishing people. He's not up there thinking, ha, 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 you know, I just smote that person. That's not what God is trying to do. God wants to restore things, and the Gospel of John is all about restoration. And if things aren't as they should be, let's work to make them as they should be. Let's rediscover that childlike sense of fairness, and not just for ourselves. A true Christian sense of fairness is for others. We want things to be fair for other people. Our heart should break when people get treated unfairly. Someone gets a promotion because they did who knows what with the boss. We don't want to see that. Who here has been passed over for some kind of, yeah, because there's some, some goofy stuff going on. And you think, oh, okay, this isn't fair. And we should be feeling just the same way for other people who get treated that way. It's not just for ourselves. For kids, it's generally for themselves. It's not fair for me. But as believers, we ought to be thinking, okay, let's work for free, let's work for justice for other people.
and it doesn't always happen. I think America is one of the fairest places you can live. That's why hundreds of millions of people would move here if they could. On the other hand, who thinks we could become more just as a society? I think we could. So things could become more fair. John back there is a tax accountant. And not everything in the tax code is fair. And uh, there are things that, uh, and yet he believes that we should follow it. And he's a real straight arrow. If you want a straight arrow guy, he's, he's your guy as far as that stuff goes. But we all know that there's certain things that benefit certain groups to the disadvantage of others. There are what we call regressive taxes, taxes that unfairly hit poor people rather than rich people. You've got people in South Central in L.A. paying paying sales tax on stuff, the same rate we wealthier people might pay, and they're subsidizing people who are going to the University of California whether or not they need a subsidy. And so we've got all kinds of stuff in our tax system. A gas tax is, is uh, actually backwards because people who have got a clunker car and have to get to Burger King pay the same gas tax as people with a Maserati. And that's, that hurts people who try to get ahead. And so there's certain taxes that really do hurt poor people. And that's not fair. We have to, and I don't have answers for these things. I'm not a tax expert. All I'm saying is we want to continue to look for things that are fair. One of my most shameful moments of my life was in a room like the picture I'm showing you right here. This was uh, this is a waiting room. I was able to find it online. A waiting room for people looking for a green card. My wife and I got married. My wife was a foreign student and had to apply for a green card. Wendy is a Dutch citizen, was a Dutch citizen. She became a, an American citizen a few years ago through the whole process, but wanted to get a green card. We first got married 39 years ago. And so we show up in this room, and the room was bigger than this one. And we were, it took a number, got in line, and there were two or 300 people ahead of us. And virtually everybody this was in Seattle. Virtually everyone was Asian. Virtually everybody coming into the country in Seattle is Asian. That's just the way that works. And somebody at the front desk at the, at the top, someone in charge of who goes next, saw us in the back. That said, brought us forward. We had to walk by everyone. <laughs> it's awful. I, I still feel terrible. I would never do that now, but at the time I was young and we just walked forward, went to the front of the line and went right in because Wendy looks like she looks. And that's not fair. That That's not fair. That's not fair. It's just because she looks like a white American and has perfect English. She comes forward and everybody else sits there. <laughs> That's not right. It's just not right. I still get, I'm still angry at myself for going along with that. Shouldn't have done that. That There's something wrong there. It's not fair. Thank you. <laughs> John 3.19. And the judgment, justice, judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than light. For their actions were evil. There is evil in the world. And justice demands that we shine light on evil. And not just on other people, but on those dark parts of ourselves. There is something about shining light places. And things we do in the dark need to be brought to the light. And we need to bring things to light that are not right. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it. For fear their sins will be exposed. For those who do what is right 
come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Justice is a manifestation of God's love. God is not just a God of forgiveness. God is a God of justice. God doesn't wink at sin and say, oh, that's fine. I forgive you. It's just, just keep going on doing what you're doing. God aches when he sees injustice, when he sees things happen that aren't fair, where people aren't treated well, where children get abused, where there's violence in a marriage, where there's people stealing from one another and taking from one another. Justice is a manifestation of God's love. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he's given the son absolute authority to judge. In other words, Jesus says, people say, oh, Jesus was just a wise teacher. He never claimed to be God. Um, folks, wise teachers don't get crucified. They get tenure. Uh, they, 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 they don't end up uh, getting strung up. And here he's saying, the father's given me the authority to judge the world. If you ever remember the Apostles' Creed, if you grew up in a church that did the creed, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I'm so old, they used to say, he will come again to judge the quick and the dead, which I thought was sounded kind of cool. But uh, the Jesus comes back to judge, and he comes back to set things right, not in a retribution sort of way, but in a restorative way. Things must be set right. He says in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. We, is there any injustice in heaven? Absolutely not. So until there's no injustice here, we've got work to do. We have stuff we need to do to help make things right so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice and the voice of the Son of God and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself and he's granted that same life-giving power to the Son and he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the son of man. Jesus is not just the savior. He's the judge. He is the judge. God will not allow injustice to be the final word. Everything is going to be put right. If it's not put right, it's not the end yet. And they, it will happen. The gospel of John is all about that. Things being set right. There is a sense. If you say, well, I never really hear from the Lord, but you do get those messages of this isn't fair. And that was never taught to you as a kid. You just knew it. It's, it's in your knower. It's, it's part of your soul to be given by God that knowledge of justice. John's gospel is a book about how the world is going to be put right at last. And we often don't read it that way. But if you sit down and read it for 90 minutes, you'd be surprised on how much that theme comes out. John 12, 31 through 32, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world or this order, will be cast out. Satan is not the ruler of the world. That's a bad translation. The actual Greek word is cosmos, which means order. And what I mean by order, what do you call the little bag you bring uh, on an airplane trip with all of your makeup and, and, uh, and mirrors and stuff? That's a cosmetic kit. It comes from the word cosmos, which means order. So this order of the world, Satan is the ruler of the worldly order and the order that doesn't include God. It's not that he's running the world. He's uh, 
this is my father's world. It's his creation, not Satan's creation. But Satan has an order. He has got a way of doing things, and it's evil, that evil way. And I love this. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself because Satan's order is going to be thrown out. And injustice is going to end. In 1968, I went up to my little spot where a whole bunch of us sat and waited for the crossing guard. And the crossing guard came out with a little badge and a flag. And uh, we went across the street. And I walked up and everybody was saying, here come the judge, here come the judge. It was one of those things that everybody said in 1968. Now, almost nobody here remembers that, but it was kind of like who let the dogs out. It was one of those phrases that everybody kept saying, here come to judge, here come to judge. It was on, it was on laugh-in. It was on, there was two hit songs called here come the judge came out at the same time and everybody was saying it, but Jesus is the judge. He's coming. He's coming to judge and set things right. And he's going to make things as they should be. There are two barriers to justice. One is that Jesus himself is a victim of injustice. He did not belong on the cross. The guy is sinless, and he is a victim of an unjust legal system where the wrong people end up getting strung up. And the second one is there's a powerful adversary, Satan, promoting injustice, his order, his way of doing things. And if you think that making the world a just place is easy, it's not. Because if you work for justice, you will be a victim of injustice. Jesus says, take up my, your cross and follow me. One guy once said, and I think it's so funny, if you want to follow Jesus, make sure you look good on wood. Because if you take it seriously, you will be, you'll get pushback. If you take justice seriously, you can take your faith seriously and get no pushback. But if you work for justice, you will get pushback from Satan's order. Because Satan likes the way things are, and he likes things to remain the way they are. And if you push for fairness at your workplace or at your school, or in your neighborhood, or in politics, or anywhere else, you will get pushback from the powers that be. You're going to be, it's just such an irony. It's a paradox. But if you work for justice, you will face injustice yourself. You'll be treated unfairly. Who here has suffered for telling the truth at some point or another? You speak the truth, and you, you take a beating for it. And that happens. That happens. It happened to Jesus. He spoke a lot of truth and took a lot of beating. And that will happen to us if we work for those things. John 12, 47. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. He speaks in paradoxes here. I'm here to judge. I'm here not to judge. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I'm coming to forgive, and I'm going to come to judge. Next, uh, next verse here. There we go. I, whoop. I don't speak of my own authority. The Father who has sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. God has an unbreakable intention to set everything right. And God's justice is participatory. In other words, he's not doing this just sending lightning bolts and stuff. He is working through us. He's working through us to set things right. Participatory. We are to be justice bringers. And here's where Good Friday, where Jesus was crucified and Easter, have so much significance in the Gospel of John. If you look at the crucifixion, 
The crucifixion, Good Friday, symbolizes the world we live in, the unjust world we live in, and what happens to people who fight for justice and tell the truth when it's uncomfortable. That's why I think it's so important that this country has free speech. And I think we need to protect uncomfortable speech, not just comfortable speech. Comfortable speech doesn't need protection because there's no pushback. But we need to have a society, we need to protect that and cherish that right to, to speak out. Because without that, we can't speak truth to power when things are, we can't push for justice unless we've got the right to speak it. And we have that right to speak it in our society. And we're very blessed for that. The crucifixion symbolizes the unjust world we live in, but it doesn't end there. It ends at Easter. The resurrection symbolizes the world made right. That nevertheless, even if Jesus gets crucified for telling the truth, nevertheless, God will make it right. As Kim was saying, God is not going to let us down. He's going to restore, rebuild, and renew. That's our theme for this year, that he is about the work of doing that. The resurrection symbolizes a world set right. And to down payment saying God is going to set things right if they've gone wrong. The resurrection says your passion, your passion for justice was and is a true signpost that needs to be rebuilt and renewed and restored. We need to put that signpost of justice back up in our lives and saying we're going to recommit to that to be justice bringers. And we're going to trust that God is going to set things right. And if we suffer for it, God will still renew us for it in the end. He will bring us back. Practicalities. Never give up on justice. Never give up on Never say, well, it's just never going to work out. I'm just, I may as well just go along with the way things are. Don't give up on that. God gave you that instinct from the time of your childhood, and we need to cultivate it. Don't give up on it. Be a justice bringer. Never buy into the devil's pessimism. The devil wants you to say it's not going to work. There's too much power arrayed against you. It's not going to happen uh, you're never going to make any difference in this unjust world. World's not fair. Deal with it. Just just live with it. Just go along. To which Harry Bosch would always say in his crime TV things, you know, I have to go after justice no matter what it costs me. And he keeps getting fired. He keeps getting things happen to him, all kinds of stuff, because he continues to go for it. Pick the right team. Pick the side of light, not the side of darkness. Don't go along just to get along. There are times where we need to say what we need to say because things aren't always fair in the world. And the last thing I have to say is uh, one of my favorite verses is Amos 5, 24. Let justice roll forth like a river. And this is these are the prophets in the Old Testament speaking truth to power when the kings became unjust and did all kinds of crazy stuff. And this was, by the way, Martin Luther King's key verse. And if you see his... Uh, his statue, it's, that's what's written underneath it. This is the justice which God is going to bring about in our world. And if you believe that God can do that, say amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that uh, you would rekindle that fire. As you said, as Paul said to Timothy, rekindle that flame of justice which you planted in us as children. And Lord, so often we've made compromises with, with Satan's order, with things that are unjust. And Lord, 
we want to speak up for ourselves when we're treated badly, but we also want to speak up for others, especially those people who continue to take it in the, in the, in the chops for whatever reason. And Lord, we, we pray for a world where everything is fair. And in heaven, Lord, everything is fair. And your son said that we're to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray protection over everyone here at the well and worldwide as they go out to fight for justice and work for justice and to speak justice when injustice is happening because they're going to suffer for that, Lord. And I pray not that you would remove the suffering, but that you would give them strength to stand up under it, that they would be able to have nevertheless faith, knowing that you're going to rebuild, restore, and renew them no matter what happens. So pray, we pray, Lord, that you give us chances and opportunities to work for justice as Jesus did. Lord, when he comes back to judge, I pray that he finds people who've been walking in the light, Lord, who shine light on themselves and shine light on the darkness of the world. For your son said that everything that is hidden will be made known. Everything is going to be brought out into the open. Lord, we want to live in an open society where things are open and true and honest. So we just pray all this in Jesus' name. It was the great worker for justice. And all God's people said, amen. Like you all stand and receive a blessing. If you want to just, uh, whether you're home or wherever you are, just hold up, hold up your hands to receive a blessing. And Lord, we, we give you thanks that you've made us partners with you in working for the world that you want to see happen. You made this world good, Lord, and a lot of us messed it up. But you have not given up on us. You're never going to let you're never going to let us down, Lord. You as we were singing earlier, you're going to be there for us. You're going to hold on to us. You're going to fight for us. And Lord, when we suffer for the sake of justice, we pray, Lord, that you would give us that strength. And bless us knowing that even if we go through a few good Fridays in our lives, Lord, Easter's coming. And we're going to be renewed, restored, and rebuilt. Lord, we pray for our world and our society and our culture that these signposts from the Bible would be rebuilt, starting with justice. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody, have a great, uh, great week. If you could stay a little bit longer and help us uh, break things down, that would be nice for those of you who don't have to run off to stuff. And uh, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again next week.